Hello, welcome to Podcasting as Praxis. I'm David. I'm here with James. Hello. And Jamie. Hello. You can tell Jamie's being fancy. He didn't answer with or eat, so he's, he's clearly <laughs> up in his game for this. Oh, I got me uh, me professional podcaster pants on. <laughs> no tie, notably. No top of any kind for that matter. I mean, it'd be wrong to besmirch the brand, wouldn't it? We're, we're going to talk about some some spy films today. Um, but kind of behind the scenes, we had planned on doing a James Bond episode for months and months. And do you want, do you want me to off. do the? Do you want me to do the timeline? Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Get, yeah, get the fucking was, timeline. I said, I said we should do a Bond episode when the fucking Love Boat film comes out. And then they delayed it like six times. And then <laughs> it, it, it kept. I was like, well, we're just going to have to do it anyway. And then we'll watch No Time to Fucking uh, Whatever It Is, No Time to Die, if and when it ever comes out. And we'll just do a Bond episode about the others. And then we got wind that Alice was planning a Bond podcast. And so I said, we better get this Bond episode out the door. Otherwise, we're going to look like dicks who are just jumping on the latest bandwagon. And then a year passed. <laughs> and we were, we were talking about, well, we'll do one, we'll do one um, about secret agents, and then we'll we'll notably leave Bond out, and say we're doing a special episode just about Bond, and so here we are, do the secret agents like eight months after we fucking initially decided to do it, and um, fuck knows, we're, we're going to do a Bond episode at some point, but we'll, we've decided to take a special effort not to make it look like we're just jumping on the back of like other people's podcasts, so yes. look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to and be also, a fucking mess. <laughs> yeah, and also do listen to another better podcast, which is Kill James Bond. Um, yeah, yeah. So we, yeah, we purposely won't be talking about fucking Bond films or anything like that going through this. Um, we just picked a kind of smattering of films um, that kind of fit the genre. And I think we'll probably kick off with the with the Bond films. Yeah, I just want to say as well, it, it's technically it's secret agents, not spies. That's, that's if we true. Did it, if, yeah. we, if we did one about spies, I'd just spend two hours talking about how much I like Tinker Taylor, and we get nothing <laughs> done. So it's it's secret agents. You have to have gadgets or like kung fu to qualify. Mm. Oh yeah, well there's definitely some fucking kung fu in Bond. I yeah. I totally have takes on that front actually, so we'll come back to that later. <laughs> cool. I do like to leave to the end of the episode um, criticisms and arguments about why the episode should be done another way. <laughs> Best to do that after an hour and a half of recording, really. <laughs> um, well, yeah, yeah well, you no, know what I mean? Then, then all, the, all the, the horrible mistakes are fresh in your mind. Very true, very true. From start to finish, every time. Um, yeah, right, so I, I, I'd i never seen a Bond film until uh, yesterday when I watched the first one. I remember when they first came out, and I was looking at it, and I just went... This is just going to be shit American James Bond. I won't fucking bother. And then I never went back to kind of fix that. Um, the first film was fucking... That, what is the film trying to be? I love the uh, I love the idea of you going back to try and fix that. Like, you're just going to, like, burst into the production company and just start, like, demanding to change <laughs> the film. You know what I mean? <laughs> who's, this just, Matt, who's this Matt Damon prick? Like, get someone who can emote. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just picturing David like kicking open the door, grabbing the editor by the lapels, and screaming, "What does this film want to be? What is your artistic vision?" And just a guy looking very confused at him and going, "I, I don't uh, understand, mate. When, when was this? What? Are you sure? Born? Are you sure it's not? I, I don't understand, mate. What's an artistic vision? <laughs> like the film's a fucking <laughs> I mean, mess of it. It's oh, been it's... years since I've seen it. 
but I remember not being hugely <clears throat> impressed by the first one. No, it's like, it doesn't know what it's trying to be. I, I get why, to some degree, right? Because it came out in 2002, so at least an element of that is post-9-11, if not all mm-hmm. of it, in production. Yep. So that definitely makes it a kind of weird and gritty thing, although it really surprisingly manages to shy away from any sort of commentary around that, um, which I found kind of oddly nice. Um, And then there's also the fact it's 2002, it's it's post The Matrix, and it's heavily Mm -hmm. fucking full of that because the soundtrack is just like reject tracks from The Matrix. The soundtrack's just like that one track by Moby, isn't it? Just on a loop. It, it might well be, yeah. It's pretty much all that that kind of theme, though. Yeah. Um, and just tonally, it's all over the place. Like, it's trying to be a dead serious film. Like, it, oh, oh, it's terrible. Like, amnesia and all the... And it tries to do the kind of emotional thing with that. But Matt Damon's doing it, so obviously <laughs> it struggles. Um, and then, I think you should say... I think you should say he struggles. Let's be very clear about it. Oh, yeah. He struggles and the movie suffers for it, yeah. Um, and then the... The, the action sequences, some of them are kind of good, some of them are just fucking comedy gold. Like, um, yeah. so there's the one, there's the, the, the first, like, kind of big action scene that happens where they're in, like, the, they're in his house in Paris, and then a guy bursts through the window, like, fully fucking abseils into it, still attached to a fucking cable. Um, and then they have a little fucking scuffle, then they get into a, a kung fu battle where Matt Damon wields a pen and mm-hmm. like it just gets stupider and stupider and he downs him but the bit that fucking got me was after it when him and I cannot fucking remember her name for the life of me are having an argument about the guy who's lying on the floor dying he then gets up and like comedy gets up like just fucking appears like straight vertical <laughs> in yeah. the fucking view and just they, they just turn around and look at him and he looks at them and then he just kind of stoats out the, I can only describe it as stoting out the window, just straight through the fucking glass, walks right through it and just tips himself right over the fucking balcony ledge. Yeah, it's great. Like, I really like the shot in the middle of that where the guy pulls his like, little special forces knife. Yeah, you know, It's got like a little curvy blade, hasn't it? So you uh-huh. know it's special uh-huh. forces. And then Bourne's got like a pen off the desk and you see him just like tactically flick the cap off the pen. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> It, it definitely feels like they had two different consultants for choreography for a lot of this. And one of them was like, all right, so clearly we're doing a comedy here, Jackie Chan style sort mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm. And so they've got like little flourishes like that just to kind of go, Haha, yeah, I see that. And then the other one is like, okay, so it's no holds barred, take no prisoners, gritty <laughs> fight to the death with shaky cam. Yeah, and, like, one, that's of the guys, kinda, one of the guys went really... on to do the work for the the rest of the Matrix films, and the other guy went on to do the work for Johnny English. Nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I, there's not that much shaky cam in the first one, is there? Because it's not Paul Greengrass. No, but there's like there's the beginnings of it. There's a few bits where the camera's doing like a little bit unorthodox things, and it's shaking a bit and some bit. You can see you can see they're sort of dipping their toe in the water. It's like, um, I think it's it's like, imagine dipping the toe in the water right before the crocodile of shaky cam grabs you and pulls you under and shakes you about so you can't see where you are. That, that's how I'd pitch the first Jason Bourne movie, right? The rot set in right there. Yeah, the um, the first Bourne film for me is, I remember the pen. Um, <laughs> like the pen is mightier than the like 
special forces curvy knife. Um, <laughs> there's the the car chase is, is actually quite good. I quite like the, char- that. the car chase is excellent. I will but, give credit I mean, where credit it, is it's due. It's kind of it, I I feel like it's kind of easy mode to do a car chase in Paris because they're all good. Like I can't think of a mm. bad car chase through Paris. It's what just... I did like about that was actually that that car chase ended with them driving into a tunnel, and <laughs> they survived, which is total <laughs> subversion of expectations there, which is quite nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and then like Clive Owen, and then like Bourne fires a gun upside down at the end. Oh, that that's fucking great! He dives down fucking eight flights of like, stairs or yeah. something, using another guy as a fucking trampoline. <laughs> It's it's amazing, like, but yeah, just that bit when he like pulls the guy's gun out of his fucking pants with like his other hand, but upside and it's upside down, and then he goes, like, "Yeah, guns akimbo, but one's the wrong way up." <laughs> it definitely feels like that whole sequence was very much someone watched the Matrix and went, "Right, okay, we need to go. We need something else to bring here that's not bullet time. What can we do?" Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. the kind of half-assed answer they came up with, essentially. Yeah, that and Clive Owen. <laughs> I've now I've now decided that like that's that's a new bit. Any film with Clive Owen in is just trying to do the Matrix. But I'm not going to explain that at all to anyone who asks. So don't. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, what- no, I, I genuinely though, I, I keep bringing I keep bringing him up. But I, I should say I do. I, I'm I'm not having a go. I do actually really like Clive Owen in that film. There you go, Clive. Like, it's, just it's, just so you know, Clive Jamie Jamie does like you. In case you hear <laughs> this, you're listening. We rate you, mate. Yeah, it's it's sort of like sad, his sad assassin. Do you know what I mean? Where he's he's just like, yeah, he's traveling around Europe murdering people for the CIA, but it's just for it's just a job. Do you know what I mean? You didn't have to murder him, Jason. What's wrong with you? He was only collecting a paycheck. Oh yeah, it's fuck. It's just such a fucking bizarre film. What do you think about the? I was trying to get a handle on this while I was watching it, and, and again, because it's so fucking tonally all over the place i was kind of struggling with this but what what are the politics of that film what is that film like try to put across well it's hard to judge and i think part of a reason it's hard to judge is i think it was consciously this is going to sound like an odd one coming for me but i think it was consciously trying to avoid putting across a political perspective. I mean, it still does, don't be wrong, and we'll, we'll, we'll tear that apart. But I think it's worth, like, you mentioned it's post 9-11, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think they were kind of looking at this, you know, okay, big Hollywood studio, they're sitting round the table, and they're having a discussion about, well, how do we how do we pitch this to the viewer? And they've got the book on, the on you know, sitting in front of them, the, you know, the, the born identity. And they're like, well, it's a, it's a good story. Bits of it are a bit too political for our current environment and we don't you know we've got to be careful soft peddling the, pe- the terrorist thing because this is I mean, escapism didn't it, didn't it come out in 2002 yeah 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 but well, it, some, it was probably they were probably at least halfway done before 9-11 happened probably yeah, yeah. but like i imagine that it's still with time to do changes if wanted etc like, who knows what was changed i have not done that level of research to find if anything yeah. maybe in the changed. original the original cut both guns were the right way up <laughs> they were just like no two guns rising up will look too much like the twin towers and we can't no like I, I genuinely i think what like that explains a bit of a tonal distance to me to be honest right is it feels like there was a recut or a change essentially to try and soften the blow and try and get people's mind to focus on to focus on the cool action and to focus on a little bit of comedy and not to think too hard about the political backdrop to it essentially mm. 
that that honestly, I, I get that feeling from the first Bond uh, born film. God, the name's even similar. Do you, honestly, right, actually, off topic a second, do you think one of the reasons that they picked up the Bourne books to do this with is like, oh, Bourne sounds a bit like Bond. Do you think that was part of it? I think it was probably happy coincidence. Got the same initials, so they were like, we can just yeah. we, we can mm. reuse the job lot of monogrammed hankies that MGM had made for <laughs> Sean Connery. <laughs> uh, nice. See like, when you when you mentioned the the two guns like look like the, the the twin towers there as well that reminded me of the uh, like people kicking off about um, the second Lord of the Rings film back in the oh, day. Oh yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah. God, the early two thousands were a time to be alive, like weren't they? Fuck. I know. But that, Can't that actually... Tolkien hated America that much. <laughs> and this, this trilogy is dedicated to the brave fighters <laughs> of the Mura and Mujahideen. I think it's extremely cursed. Starting to warm with this Tolkien guy, like I have to say. <laughs> no, I think that the politics with this film is, yeah, I think it is maybe try to like avoid saying anything. Like I agree yeah. with that. That makes sense. But what it does say is like see to me see if you set this film 20 years before but it was all the soviets yeah it would make so much sense from mm-hmm. for americans making that film because you've got the you fucking you've got the kgb and they're working on secret programs and when it doesn't go right at the end then one of the guys above the other one just assassinates him because he's disappointed and he's let down the fucking organization in the motherland etc Mm-hmm. That all makes total thematic sense, but when you put it as the CIA and it's Americans making a film about the CIA, it feels a bit weird. I'm not saying it's bad, but it feels a bit weird. They made it. They made a, a TV spin-off of this in the last couple of years. Um, I, did, I did not know that. It's like straight to Amazon Prime, and oh. it's um, in that the the whole fucking like Treadstone thing. Is mm-hmm. revealed to have been created by the KGB during the oh, Cold for fuck's War. Sake. <laughs> <laughs> Left it in real time. Great. Uh, no, yeah. like, um, obviously, right. So, I think I can actually contextualize the real political subtext, which is like I think it's important to understand that I don't think they intended politics in this. I think they were actually actively trying not to do politics, mm-hmm. but there nevertheless is a political subtext, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the way to understand it is it's still. It's shaped by libertarian fears of government overreach, essentially, mm-hmm. and the idea that you can't trust government, which is a very American thing. And I think those anxieties were sharp, and but they're also kind of unconscious with the whole expansion of like the American police and security apparatus under George W. Bush, whose presidency it was at the time. And I think that and fears about it definitely shaped in. Even when they were doing the pre-production, right, it was well known that the conservative Warhawks um, were coming into office with Bush winning and with the campaigning, etc. And that's what they were very much aiming for. And those those things had always been there. Like, you go back to, you know, um, the, the 1990s, and there's, like, a drumbeat of, like, you know, a lot of libertarians saying, oh, big government is, is bad. And the conservatives were picking up that rhetoric and starting to move with it. And I think it's those anxieties find their expression in this as a perfect synthesis going, oh, I mean, the government can't be trusted. They've got the security apparatus that's run amok and is doing shit like assassinating their own citizens. And, all. and I think I think that's the kind of thing that it comes to, which is makes it weirdly schizophrenic because I think they hadn't quite 
I think it was like a, a dual-minded thing of like, we've got to have American patriotism. We don't want to be political, but also the subtext of all of this is about, you know, big shadow government distrust kind of stuff. Mm. And I think that's where the start of Jason Bourne finds itself. Now, cut forward just to, to what Jamie said there. I'm not at all surprised for the now reframing it as being a Soviet thing because they're reorientating themselves to be an anti-left, anti-Soviet thing for the culture war, essentially. Mm. It's the same reason mm. you've got like Stranger Things and other sh- high-profile shows have, have done a very explicitly anti-Soviet kind of arc, like Chernobyl got a big villain and all the rest of it. Now, I think it's a very conscious effort to try and make people go, oh, you think these left-wing policies are good? Well, they're communism. I remember the communists, right? And so to be able to kind of try and tie those threads in, I think is very much in, in line with the American kind of derangement of our times right now. Yeah, it's but remember then, the boogeyman, but without them actually being held to account by the boogeyman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, if you go like, oh, well, remember the Soviets and all their secret, like, uh, super spy things to try and get Matt Damon to kill Americans, the problem <laughs> with that is that everyone thinks killing Americans is good, so... <laughs> See, I know, right? They, 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 they have lost a culture war on this. But the Firstborn film, I definitely feel it, it's it's about it's about distrust of government, essentially, at its root. And it's, it, it, it you know, it's it comes from Ur myths, which were kind of always part of American Sorry, I've culture. Sorry, I've, I've just had, like, a, a, an image there of, like, a bunch of, like, American cops sat around watching, like, the, uh, like, you know, the, the Bourne film and going, like, yeah, that's right, you should kill Americans. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, so, right, so the, I think there's a, there's a definite, like, thread running through, like, all the Bourne films of, can you imagine how, how difficult it must be to be, like, a CIA super assassin um, you know, yeah, okay, he can do kung fu and he can like, uh, you know what I mean, kill a man with a tactical gas leak. But you know, <laughs> he must be very sad at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's it's kind of uh, a lot. Like the 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 Bond films definitely peak with the second one for me. I don't know about that, um, but I definitely agree with you on the. You know, it's it's there's a kind of propaganda which says, I mean, if you're doing terrible things, you must feel sad about it. That's the only way. And so we should feel pity for our troops as they go yeah. off and do all these sort of things which are awful. When in reality, you know, as as people know, war crimes when... war crimes are bad, but they also make the person committing the war crimes unhappy. So it's impossible to tell if they're good or not. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. It's like I'm reminded of a of a joke which go, I think it was Frankie Boyle said, which is the worst part about being ba- invaded by America is ten years later when they come back to make a documentary about how invading you made their soldiers sad. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. And so this is like the this is this is the similar kind of thing. You've got to maintain the myth that oh, it, it makes you sad and broken. And I do actually like it's kind of funny because I did like the scene where Matt Damon he's talking to the woman who again I don't remember her name, but in my case it's been years. Um, how he's in a diner with her and she's trying to, to to ask him about who he is, and he's like, I don't know, but I do know that I've clocked that there's three entrances to this place, and like he does all the tactical kind of I am ready to go at any moment kind of stuff, and, yeah. and rattles that off to her. Yeah, and it's and it's like that's very much highlighting. It's the schizophrenia of it. It's like, isn't it so fucking cool? And oh, but it's also sad that he has to be this person. So yeah, rich vein of that shit running through it. Yeah, but the can't believe the the CIA conditioned someone to be such a fucking weapon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the second one. The second one has um, uh, the fucking like car chase in Russia at the end. 
I don't remember it. I don't he, remember the second steals, one. Much. He steals a taxi and he gets chased through Moscow by like a hundred police. And then, oh wait, it's coming back at the end. Like he, he staggers away from this taxi that looks like it, it. You know that bit in Father Ted when they've got the car and he tries to bang the dent out of it and he ends up just fucking like talking <laughs> the entire. It just looks like that. He's just fucked this taxi completely. Also, <laughs> oh, uh, they have they have Carl Urban as like the Russian Clive Owen in that one, and mm-hmm. anything with Carl Urban is generally good. So mm. you know, you just ruined me for the rest of this episode, Jamie, because now. Now I'm picturing Jason Bourne, but it's uh you know Father Dougal is Jason Bourne, <laughs> that actor, that the same personality as Father Dougal doing all the Jason Bourne things, but not really understanding why, and that kind of fits in my head. Yeah, yeah. that works. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, right. Uh, what other films did we even fucking have here? I, I forget now. What's what's the next one up, Jamie? Uh, it would be Jack Ryan, the many faces of Jack Ryan. Oh my God! Right, so there's um the there's Alec Baldwin's Jack Ryan, which mm-hmm. is the first one on um uh the the submarine thing with Sean Connery Hunt for Red October. Oh yes. yeah, okay, well, I've seen that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Which yeah. is the one of the only good ones. Let's let's like nail that down out the gate. Yeah. Right. It's it's probably it's also I I imagine one of Sean Connery's like happiest on-set experiences since there's literally only one woman in the film for 30 seconds at the start. <laughs> it checks out, yeah. Um, also because he gets to play someone other than Scottish for once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a good film because it's like, it, it's height of the Cold War stuff, isn't it? So it's it's not like, oh, we'll just go to this foreign country and then like fuck up like a bunch of like bystanders but feel sad about it afterwards. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't have to work hard to sell its premise, basically, and I think that makes it cohere together because you've got you know you've got your tight environment, you've got the politics of you know nuclear submarine and all the rest of it. You've got your two big major powers. It's it, it, it manages to be. And I, I, this is going to sound weird. It manages to be a little bit apolitical because yeah, a large it, focus. No, it sorry. does. It does because it's um it's very it's very much Tom. It's very it's a very Tom Clancy thing. But it's it's the it's the less political side of Tom Clancy where he's just really like really really into the hardware. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> like uh, Jack Ryan has a conversation with some like guy who's like a like a professor of submarines. A fucking like uh, uh, name a, name a, a fancy American college for me. Brown. Right. Yeah, he's a professor of submarines at Brown. And like he's shown him photographs of this like Russian submarine that they've taken covertly, and he's like, "What are these weird tubes on the side?" And that they're debating whether or not you could, or indeed would want to launch an IC ICBM horizontally and stuff. And it's just it's Tom Clancy as the the sort of like miltech nerd, where he's like, "Oh, but then yeah. like, what if you stripped everything out of the helicopter and just put loads of like." bins full of petrol in it could it fly for how much further could it fly before it <laughs> drops jack ryan into the fucking it's kinda, pacific ocean so i'm gonna add like a, a little bit of a handbrake turn here but we will get back to it so i'm gonna confess here that as a kid like we're talking ages nine upwards um i read from my dad had like a whole collection of paperback books that he had from he spent a lot of time out in remote locations with no telly or anything so all he had to do was read and so he had all the tam the the tam clancy's the tom clancy's (laughs) tam clancy that's a very different thing isn't it (laughs) 
Oh, fantastic. That's uh <laughs> would genuinely would genuinely watch that Amazon series like. <laughs> Absolutely. Jared Butler just cutting about South America <laughs> punching like fucking Venezuelans, do you know what I mean? <laughs> It still works so clear and present danger. I mean, it would, it would be yeah, it would be incredibly cheap to make as well because they wouldn't need to like hire anyone to just follow Jared Butler on a South American holiday, and it would like just film itself. You know what I mean? Amazon <laughs> callers, we've got all the great ideas. Anyway, um, so as a kid, I I was reading Tom Clancy and. I, I was in it for that particular reason, just for the hardware porn and all the rest of it, because that's where he kind of cut his teeth. But also, he doesn't just go, oh, look at this really cool knife kind of thing, right? Like a kind of shit, you know, paperback QVC sort of stuff. Um, what he does, and all of his imitators don't do, is he does the theoretical side of things like you just said there, of like, oh, we need petrol to this location. If we strip out everything from the helicopter, how much can it carry? And he actually did the research, at least early on. And so what he was essentially doing was he was writing a very specialist version of sci-fi, right? Because yeah. hard sci-fi, what makes that run is lots of theoretical questions about like orbits and other shit. Like Arthur C. Clarke cut his teeth doing that. And I honestly think Tom Clancy read a lot of Arthur C. Clarke and then essentially did the same thing, but with military hardware and questions about that rather than with like hard physics and the advancement of the human yeah, race and any Tom, of that kind of... I, I, you're absolutely, you're absolutely spot on because Tom Clancy like does ask like big theoretical questions like what if America was a real country? <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely not sure if you're actually agreeing with that, Jamie, but I mean, he does like, I, I honestly think that's what got his texts off the ground, but that doesn't always carry through. What's interesting is that in the early films that seems to be more of a thing which makes it more compelling because essentially the film backgrounds the political drama and just takes it as granted like it's USA versus the Soviets and then for the hunt for Red October it's all about the tech and it's all about the interpersonal kind of dramas if you will and the persons involved in it and it's all kind of that is the focus whereas in the later stuff that he put out when it became more nakedly propaganda and I think when he got more state sponsorship behind closed doors um, that very much the politics are the thing, particularly the modern incarnations of Jack Ryan, which we'll fucking get to. Yeah. So, plus it's got Tim Curry in it, which is always good. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's and hard Sam to Neal. fuck up a film with Tim Curry in it. Oh, is Sam Neill in it. Yeah, Sam oh, Neill was the yeah, first oh, yeah, it's, off, got, it's got so a fucking. It's got a cast in it. That thing, like Jesus. Yeah, Christ. no, it's, it's it's really good film. Um, yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. Like, yeah, it's not doing like big grand fucking this is making a point politics it's it's just yeah. some some people who really like like boats just having a jape on a submarine you know yeah, what i mean it's, yeah. uh, it's <laughs> kind of just a wee, a wee jolly under the sea what yeah. was the they're not, they're not harming anyone down there you know what i mean <laughs> and was, that's the whole another... point of a film that they're not harming anyone whilst they're <laughs> down there <laughs> so there's another um jack ryan one that that you made me watch um that i can't even fucking remember the name of that's how good right, well, it was there's Obviously, there's there's uh, Alec Baldwin's Jack Ryan, and then there's mm. Tom Clancy's Harrison Ford's Jack Ryan. Yeah, um, I've never watched which, any of them. Uh, which is Patriot Games, which I haven't right. seen since the nineties. But it has shown it has Sean Bean as an IRA guy, doesn't it? Yeah, it <laughs> so does. It's, and a, it's to... a it's a film in the nineties, and it's an American film made in the nineties featuring the IRA. There's a potential <laughs> for some fucking incredible accent work in that film. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I might <laughs> yeah. have to go back and revisit that. I will. I will say for a record, I remember it. It's got one of the best Sean Bean deaths of any film ever. Um, but other than that, 
there's not a lot to really hugely recommend it. It's 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 very much you know. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to Google this right now. There was another film that came out right called Ronin, and I want to know if that was before or after that film. It's after. Is it after? Oh, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna double- as an aside, as an aside, what do we think was the best IRA terrorist accent in the entire nineties? <laughs> <sighs> I actually liked Ronan. Um, it had Sean Bean in it as well, by the way, and he doesn't die in it. Blows uh, my mind. Yeah, um, that that might be what elevates it to true. Ronan's, art. Bit- Ronan's really good. Um, and it, is it Natasha McElhone? Yeah, I think so. Like doing the uh, the really her and someone else doing like really broad. Uh, but like it's her IRA accent. Accents. I was thinking. It's her accent. I was thinking of when I said Ronan. Um, yeah. I think it, it just it's, it's it it works in an entertaining and pleasing way. If it's there's, absolutely nothing like it should be. There's also like um, there's also Brad Pitt in The Devil's Own. I think. Uh I can't remember that one at all. Um, and then like you know you're getting up into the real like pro tiers. There's Tommy Lee Jones in Blown Away. <laughs> oh god that's uh yeah and okay. the absolute fucking the absolute s tier with like fucking with gold star performance is richard gear in the jackal which is just fucking incredible Do you know what I mean? we're gonna remake mm. day of the jackal it's like okay richard gear is gonna play an gonna be the good guy right he's an ira terrorist and he's doing the accent and it's just it's fucking just that film is so unbelievably shite it's fucking incredible but but yeah, it was just, it was like, I don't know what, I think it was just the end of the Cold War and, and like writers in Hollywood were just like, well, we need like a new, what's the new politics that we put in a film to make it seem relevant? And it was the IRA. It was just like, well, that's a, that's a, a, a tough issue, isn't it? Because on the one hand, like, you know, up the raw, but on the other hand, we, we kind of like the British. So, ooh, that's like, we'll put that in every film. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tommy Lee Jones and Blown Away is, a, is that's a fucking film and a half. That like, where just every bomb is basically mousetrap. What if mousetrap with Semtex? Very <laughs> much just fucking incredible. Like, but anyway, back on topic. Um, there was two Harrison Ford Harris- ones. Yeah, there was. There was Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger. I I remember there's there's a a car bomb on the royal family or something in Patriot Games. I think. Clear and present danger. I remember. There's a bit where there's there's a scene with the train and like a sniper or something out in the mm-hmm. desert, and he keeps like he's like there's two guys in lawn chairs like looking for him with binoculars while he keeps pinging a target next to them. Mm-hmm. And when he fight when they finally give up like trying to spot him, they've got some he guy stands out, up. Yeah, got some guy out in the grass like finding like where he had his McDonald's at dinner time and stuff. And <laughs> and then when he stands up, he's like literally like right in front of them. And it's like yeah, that seems plausible. Do you know what I mean? Like he's the fucking yeah. predator. Yeah, <laughs> strange, strangely silent rifles when they yeah. fire shots. You know, just like, in the uh, middle, just lying in like lying in like two inch high grass, eating a fucking Big Mac without anyone noticing you. Do you know what I mean? Your camouflage <laughs> is just that good. It's a tactical Big Mac. And it's just like covered in fucking like uh, like grass, you know what I mean? So they can't see it. Just fucking. And then, um, so the Harrison Ford ones are all right, I guess. I, I... Yeah, they're they're okay. Like, um, if I remember correctly, on Clear and Present Danger, there's a huge. Right, let me check. I've got this right because I might be mixing it up. Is this the one where there's a whole thing where? Essentially, Harrison Ford realizes that the office across from him, he's found a file in the system oh, that yeah, proves he's been the, doing wrongdoing. The tactical right. printer scene where the guy, yes, like the, which hacker, is genuinely, the hacker, gets in. 
yeah so this this scene is genuinely like novel i guess like yeah, I, i'm, I'm impressed is. by it um but basically he he hacks into this other guy's thing by getting his login and discovers that his enemy in the office has indeed signed off on illegal activity right and what he goes is like i'm going to start printing this but the second i start printing this it's going to pop up on his screen so he immediately picks up the phone and calls him and just starts talking about inane bullshit while he's running it off in the background and the guy notices and then they sprint for the printer together and harrison ford gets it the guy starts like, the guy starts deleting the files yeah, as and he's, it's as like he's printing them, but he, he runs into his office with like what he's what he's managed to print, and and the guy like the guy gives him a speech about how like the oh it's better it's better than that. Harrison Ford like goes for him and says, "I've got you. You this is illegal activity." Then the guy turns around, opens his safe, and pulls out a pre basically pre written pardon from the president, more or less, or something like this. It's like a get out a free jail free card, and he goes, "I've got this. Do you have one?" And it just totally deflates Harrison Ford, and it. I, I, actually- I might be I might be mixing it up with something else, but I seem to remember the the guy's answer is like um, he starts lecturing him on how like the, the important thing to remember at a, con- at a like a congressional hearing or whatever is to is the the phrase I have no recollection of that incident or something like that. I think he says that, but I think he also pulls out the letter that excuses him. If I recall, this was years ago. I saw this right, so. Oh yeah, we, we we did a lot of research for this fucking episode. Like, you know, oh, we, 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 absolutely, we, we, we absolutely only had, we only had like eight months to prepare. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, standard um, standard practice. Now this well, is listen, podcasting. listen. I'm, I'm I'm sorry, Keith won't post about himself, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. very true. Yeah. Um, right. What, but, what was the what was the fucking one that I watched then? That you made uh, me watch? Is that the is that the one with Captain Kirk? Mm-hmm. From the from from the the Jabrams Jabrams Abrams timeline of Star Trek, <laughs> possibly um, there was also like so it's a full chronology, right? Because I'm going through it on Wikipedia as we're talking this. Is there's the Hunt of Red October, yeah. then there's the two Harrison Ford ones, which are Patriot Games and Clean Present Danger. Then there's the Sum of All Fears. Oh right, that yeah. was the okay. one. That was the yeah. one that made me watch. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, Ben I Affleck. Felt. Yeah, yeah Ben shit. Affleck as as Jack Ryan. Where like Boston or somewhere gets destroyed by a nuke. Yeah, Portland, I think. But, but his his wife is in the hospital just at the very end, like because the, like there's there's the different sort of like air, areas when a nuke goes off. Obviously, like you get completely incinerated, like in Terminator Two, if you're standing like right next mm-hmm. to him. But as you go out, it's like the you know you just get like only mildly incinerated, all the way down to like scorched to death, um, to like you know what I mean, like charred husk. But his wife just happens to be at the windows break, and nothing else happens. Range yeah. of the explosion or something. Yeah, I remember that film being fucking shite. It really it's, it's really bad, and it was Baltimore, by the way. I'm just looking Baltimore, at it right now. Like for thing. All right, well, I, I said Boston, so we were both wrong. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my my the, the only thing I remember about, apart from the fucking nuclear explosion, the only thing I remember about Clear and Present Danger, uh, not Clear and Present Danger, which one are we talking about? Some of all Some fears. Of all feels. The only thing I remember about that is um, my mate bought the fucking, the official tie-in computer game. Uh, and was like dead excited to try it, and it was fucking wank. <laughs> and he was he was really devastated because he spent like thirty quid on it. It's nice to see a computer game live up to the the qualities of the film, though. That's that's yeah. quite nice. Actually, is that the one that's is that the one that's got fucking that that guy with the massive head in as the Russian president or something? Pass. I like. Have I have seen the, I, the be... bloke from the bloke from the terror. <sighs> We're not going to be able to answer this question, Jamie. Like, I've seen 30 minutes of this film a long time ago, and even then it was dog shit, and I knew yeah. I had to keep watching it, I, basically. Um, so I, I, I watched this. This is actually, 
this is actually coming back to me. I think, yeah, it's got that bloke from the terror in as the Russian president. And the guy who's like the the, the murderer in Scream 3, maybe, as, the, as like fucking uh, the Splinter Cell guy. It's got like a Splinter Cell guy in, hasn't it, where he goes around like fucking... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm um, re- I'm remembering this. I think I think I, I I think I watched this with the commentary on while drunk once. <laughs> um, and Tom Clancy, I seem to recall Tom Clancy was like the 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 the, guy, the the they've got a bit with a splinter cell guy, and he's listening to a conversation with some sort of like special like gun that listens to things from a long way away. And Tom uh-huh. Clancy was like talking the director's ear off about how you can't actually do that in real life. Do you know what I mean? They had to make that <laughs> up for the film. Um, <laughs> and then like, and then being really impressed at the, because the, the guy that plays the Russian president, like is I think Irish, but he learned Russian, like he learned his lines in Russian for the film. And everyone, everyone on the commentary was like, oh, that's really good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they'd never seen an actor before. <laughs> well no it's like uh, uh, fair credit where it's due i hear that it's it's very hard to learn russian phonetically apparently and deliver it convincingly so fair play him i guess oh i'm not i'm not undermining his like fucking ability or anything the guy's a really good actor i really liked him in uh, tinker taylor um, As someone who's been trying to learn russian on and off for the last few months like i that that language is a motherfucker I'm just, I'm right, we're, we're veering into Jamie talking about Tinker Taylor, so yeah. territory, pull so up, let's pull, pull back. Up. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, like, but yeah, obviously fucking, if you were doing the commentary for that film, I mean, what, what else are you going to talk about? You're certainly not going to talk about fucking, like, Ben Affleck, are you? Fuck no. 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 And, Jesus Christ. I mean, the, the, that film was very much predicating itself on, ah, oh, part of the, new, the US gets nuked, and it wasn't very good. Like, yeah. that whole it, it scene, took, like, not half very the fucking good. film for that to happen. Yeah. yeah, and it's not very good. No, it's, it's not really very good not. at all. Like I, so. I, I watched this with my my partner, and she actively like doesn't really take a lot to do with any of the prep work I do for the podcast. Um, and she definitely never will again after I exposed her to that fucking film. Jesus Christ! Like <laughs> yeah. she tuned out forty five minutes in. She could not. You be made her watch that. And now you're not allowed. You're not allowed to do podcasts anymore. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, D- David is recording under the stairs right now, quietly <laughs> hoping he won't arouse her in his car. <laughs> Explains the audio quality. No, it's a work call, pet. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah, no, it was just such a fucking bad film, and like, I don't even fucking begin to know what the politics of that film was supposed to be saying. Something about how actually intelligence agencies need to be listened to more, or something. I mean, what year was it? I've just fucking closed the Wikipedia. Unfortunately, didn't anyone remember? Oh, I cannot. Two thousand and three. I'm gonna guess. Uh, some of all fears. It well done. It was two thousand and two. I said two thousand and three, so I, I, we're both Again. wrong. <laughs> I thought you. All oh, right. Clearly, clearly, the problem is I just don't listen to Jamie. That's what that, I'm getting that, from the past yeah, two incidents. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't listen to me either, to be honest. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. So that was two thousand and two was a bumper year for fucking like uh, dipshit spies, then wasn't it? Because oh, yeah, and. Time, yeah. I think all of their stuff was just really badly. Like they got nine eleven did a mental games to America. We all know this. This is well established. Anyone who thinks that America was like a totally normal country after nine eleven for at least the next decade is definitely on something. I mean, it wasn't really a total normal country before. Yeah, mm. exactly. Right. It's you know, it definitely traumatized them and it fucked up their art quite badly. And I don't mean to call this stuff art exactly, but it does roll downhill into it, right? 
and um yeah i mean what 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 we're saying is for anyone anyone born after 9-11 or was who was like a baby at the time it's like the fucking do you know what i mean it was it was genuinely like just the the entire world went fucking insane didn't it, it was just so remember, yeah. remember freedom fries oh yeah no that was the whole thing <laughs> like i remember so okay we're, we're now doing member when a little bit but let's actually do this for anyone who's listening if you ever go back and watch stuff from like 2000 or before movie wise right it is like watching a different world mm-hmm. and if you try and watch anything from about 2001 uh, late 2001 let's say for some reason um to about i'd say 2011 it's just gonna be a bit fucked up and mental and strange and like it's it's not quite clear what it's about. And it's just because of the aftershocks of, of 9-11. And basically, I think stuff, that entire decade, more or less, with a couple of noticeable exceptions, I think is mostly forgettable. And the stuff that you can actually watch from that decade is because it's completely and utterly removed in every way possible from, yeah. like, you know, anything that could be hit by 9-11. Yeah, I'm just I'm yeah. going to refer everyone back to Star Trek for this. Watch Voyager mm-hmm. or Deep Space Nine, and then watch Enterprise. Guess which one of them happened post nine eleven? Yeah. What about the geopolitical implications of Freddie got fingered? <laughs> 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 but anyway, yeah. So like, you you get like fucking. Um, do you know what I mean? The the Ben Affleck version of of Jack Ryan. And then I think after that, you've got the timeline open. After that, it's the fucking... Uh, Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit. Yeah, that's the one with fucking... Uh, Jim from Captain The Office. Kirk and... No, no, that's, uh, that's the no, one after. Not. Oh, is it not? That's or is it another this film? Is, this, this, is, this is the, the Abrams this is Chris. Yeah, this is Chris Pine, Kevin oh. Costner, and Kira Knightley. Yeah, it's Oof. it's it's fairly baffling because it's like um, the the first... I think the first three is Boss, is, is James Earl Jones... And then it's Morgan Freeman in Some of All Fears. And then fucking Kevin Costner. That's a huge like step down in quality, that like. Yeah, um, but I mean, the whole, the whole series was basically fucking... But yeah, like, Shadow Recruit is like, um, it's like, oh, Jack Ryan's origin story. It's where he gets like bitten by a radioactive war crime. Um, <laughs> full, dis- uh, full disclosure i haven't seen all of this um which is, which, which is kind of an like i think i was at my mom's um on new year's eve and she was like well let's put a film on and we we well she picked that um <laughs> and i couldn't i was we'd been looking through fucking netflix or something that wasn't obviously shite for about half an hour at that point so i was like yeah fuck it we watched like two thirds of it and then turned it off. And then when we went to go back to it, the like a couple of days later, it had been removed from Netflix. And so I was like, you know what I mean, spared. Mer- I think you call that a mercy killing. At yeah, that point. yeah. But so I imagine I, I can easily imagine that maybe Ken, because Kenneth Branagh's like the villain, isn't it? Um, I think so. Ken- like, Kenneth, Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh. I haven't seen. I haven't seen Shadow Recruit because I could tell at a glance it was dog shit. Kenneth Branagh is the villain who I believe is a Russian oligarch, so in many ways it's like the fucking the prototype for Tenet. Mm. But um, I don't remember Mm. Kenneth Branagh being in it at all, so like I assume I missed a a great performance from from the Maestro there. But (laughs) it does have it does have a great scene where um, Jack Ryan's in a hotel in Moscow, and the room service guy tries to murder him because he's actually from like the fucking. Uh, whatever the whatever the modern version FSB. is. FSB. FSB, there we go. 
Um, and so he fights this guy and they absolutely fucking trash the shit out of the hotel room, like bullet holes in all the walls and like smashed furniture. And, and then he drowned, like uh, Jack Ryan manages to like tactically drown him in the bath. Okay. And then he rings Kevin Costner and he tells him like, oh, fucking like a, a big like guy tried to like kill us and the hotel room's on fire. And Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Costner, that <laughs> fucking guy anyway, like um, the, the postman, he tells him to fucking like go for a walk. He's like, just go for a walk. And he, he goes, so he goes down and buys like a packet of fags at the shop or something. And when he comes back, the hotel room's like completely fucking like new. Do you know what I mean? It's just completely <laughs> spotless. Like they've called in a, a, a black ops team of tactical plasterers to come in and just like do the walls again. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Got a, a, a Amazon drone just bringing a telly in through the window and stuff like that, like to just replace everything that got broken. Um, which is just what? incredible, really, to to picture that. Like, you know, I, I want to be that guy that just like learns a trade and then is just paid like seven hundred dollars <laughs> a day to just wait for the phone call that Jack Ryan's just, like killed someone in a bath and you need to go and replace the fittings. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I've just seen Jamie, you know, plumber extraordinaire, is sitting there reading his paper in, a, you know, with his tactical go bag next to him and that- his quick deploy parachute vest kind of strapped on, um, with the with the red light beside him as he's kind of waiting for the signal sort of thing that's just that's what the, that's, what the, that's what the guy born wanted like born killed with a pen was doing because <laughs> immediately before that guy had sales through the window they're complaining there's no hot water in the flat <laughs> <laughs> just a, a bad a, a sad case of uh, terrible misunderstanding yeah i think like jack i will say this for jack ryan shadow recruit i have seen i said i haven't seen it that's a lie i've seen a little bit of it just in passing and I wasn't making any great attention, but I was struck. You mentioned him being drowned in a bathtub. I was I was struck that it looked like they'd taken a few cliff notes from the James Bond Casino Royale, essentially. Mm. Um, and it seemed like they were trying to do a, a modern, cool version of that sort of thing. And uh, to give our listeners an idea, this was the last Jack Ryan film. And it clearly, from it what was, I understand They were, they were clearly it, trying to start a franchise, weren't they? yeah. Yeah, that from from all the positioning I saw for it, it very much seemed like a yeah, this is about to take off, and then it fell flat. Yeah. So, but that was not the end of Jack Ryan, though, was it? No, because then we get Ubisoft's Tom Clancy's Amazon's fucking Jack Ryan starring Jim from The Office, brought to you by Tom Clancy. <laughs> yeah, with his big rubbery fucking face, and that is, I mean, that is, I've I've watched both seasons of that um, because like part of my like lockdown routine is uh spending like a couple hours every day at my mom's to keep a company and um holy shit like i mean it it was so bad that even my mom thought it was shit do you know what i mean so <laughs> yeah that's that's a what? fairly low bar uh because like you know we're watching we're currently what we're currently like nine seasons into fucking criminal minds and she thinks that's all right so you know what i mean <laughs> give you some idea of how absolutely fucking atrocious like uh the the amazon I- version of tom clancy was oh that's scathing that is that's absolutely scathing so the first I- the first season of that is that the plot is there's um there's an arab guy right I, i'm not sure if they actually ever specify wh- where he's from just you know what i mean um okay but he's like a warlord and he's doing terrorism. Him and his brother are doing terrorism because um, at the start there's a flashback to like uh, the the eighties the or something, and they're they're both playing as kids, and then like jets fly over and like airstrike the shit out of the village they're in or something. 
Mm-hmm. And right, okay, villain then, origin story stuff. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and then like in the present day, they're doing like um, nerve gas attacks on Paris or some shit. And Jack Ryan, like the the first episode, you get the flashback to like you know the 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 villains being bombed as kids, and then Jack Ryan is like riding his bike into work, and a guy not like a guy in a car nearly knocks him off the bike, and like shouts at him and calls him a fucking helmet or something. And then he gets to work, and it turns out the guy that nearly knocked him off his bike is his new boss, um, who, who's Bunk from The Wire, uh, replacing, like, fucking in the James Earl, James Earl Jones role. And then um, Jack Ryan, like, basically they're going, oh, what, what's, like, they're, they're all analysts. <clears throat> Excuse me. And... The guy's going like, right, we'll go around the room. Everyone tell me what you're working on. And everyone's like, oh, well, I'm like fucking doing like, you know, back chatter analysis or some shit. And Jack Ryan's like, I've like been, I've like hacked into PayPal and I found like some guy sending a lot of money somewhere. And I think he's called like the Albatross or some shit. He's got some like stupid and cool name for the guy. And no one believes no one believes him. They're all like, nah, that sounds like you've just made that up, mate. Were you actually like, were you just playing fucking like Galaxia on your fucking like phone or something all day? What? That that doesn't sound like real work. And then, like, a day later, there's, like, a fucking huge terrorist attack, and it turns out to be the Albatross has done it or some shit, you know what I mean? And he's, like, boss has to tell him that, actually, you were onto something. Let's go and talk to the, the fucking head of the CIA. And so they have a meeting. It's just a lot of scenes of meetings where, like, people are going, right, well, it sounds like what we'd best do is is A, and then Jack Ryan, like, as they're about to, like, like adjourn the meeting, Jack Ryan, like, stands up because he's, he's only supposed to be there as, like, an observer or something. He stands up and he goes like, but what about B, motherfuckers? And like kicks the table over and then everyone shouts at him. And then like 20 minutes later, it turns out he was right. And so then he gets to go and meet the president and and like disagree with the president over something. And then the president's wrong and he goes to meet God and just so on all the way up the fucking, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm curious, where does he go above God, Jamie, in your soul analogy? Oh, I, I, uh, Allah. Oh, so is is this like? Isn't that a bit of a fucking trope, though? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is literally. Oh yeah, yeah. Why don't you just listen to the lowly intelligence analyst, please? Just listen to all cliches. Like it's so fucking bad. But the the standout scene for me is they've got a B plot where the warlord's wife is left in his like warlord compound in the desert somewhere oh no and you see where this is going and his lieutenant is in charge like while while he's away and one of the the lieutenant's like minions is trying to like touch up the guy's daughter like his teenage daughter so the mother the mother flees with the kids um and only gets away with the daughter or something the son's like left behind and then um she's like being pursued by the fucking henchman and right. there's a scene where the henchman catched like her and the kid and they're like putting the kid in the car and the henchman like drags her away to uh like to fucking kill her but like before he's going to kill her he's going to like sexually assault her and a an american drone operator who's been following like the events on his oh, fucking like camera god no i oh, i swear to god right he's like he's like oh see this guy and he's like he's about to do a sex crime and the, his boss is like what the fuck? That's not our job. You leave it alone. You don't have authorization. And then, like, the woman knees the guy in the balls, runs, like, fully 20 feet away, and the drone operator seizes his moment and fires a fucking <laughs> missile that kills the guy and only the guy. 
Do you know what I mean? Like just tactically drone strikes to interrupt a fucking like like a, an assault. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's the most insanely naked propaganda I think I've ever seen. Like, do you know what I mean? Holy shit, right? I said I thought I see where this is going. I did not fucking see that coming. That is a masterclass. That's a round of applause. It's Holy so, God. It's so absolute. Because the thing is, they've been setting this, like, they've been setting this character up as well. The sad, sad boy who flies the drone. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I had to kill a guy. And then I, I watched these fam I watched these kids playing football the day after, and they didn't know he was dead. And it's like, well, you know what I mean. It's it's like that fuck. I, I I know we keep we keep referencing Deshaies zone on this podcast, but it's like that fucking that one one of his where he's like, if you're in the, if you're in the army, just like walk out. They don't make you they don't make you bomb weddings in prison. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, and then I think it, at the end, the, the sad drone boy takes all of his life savings and goes to like give it goes to like. Uh, whatever country it is and he, he gives all the money to the the family of the guy he, like killed and feels sad about so that they like and apologizes to them or something oh, it's like oh my god it's, it's fucking atrocious and 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 that this is all this is all season one this is this is before we even get into like there could one day be so a, season two with the threat of a possible nuclear venezuela <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll come to it. Like season two deserves a little bit. We've touched on it before on the show, but season two deserves a little bit of special framing because I have seen a little bit of that. And holy shit! But I think I wanna I wanna pull us back a little. It's important to chart the trajectory here because I think round about the time uh, between clear and present danger and sorry, not that some of all fears and jack ryan shadow recruit that's when something funny happened to the tom clancy series and it became a vehicle for outright not just heavily in favor of but just outright think, naked um, propaganda i think rob's mentioned possibly mentioned this before on the, i don't know if he mentioned it on the podcast or not but rob, i remember rob telling me that like um Tom, like Tom Clancy, sold like his name, like you know what I mean, and, and the rights yes, to all of his work to it, Ubisoft, didn't he? So it's like, well, no, no, it's not quite as simple as that. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna explain some things. Basically, Tom Clancy, as his health declined, he started getting basically people in co-writing with him and ghostwriting. And today there's still Tom Clancy books being produced under his brand, but they're brought to you by kind of and then an author name sort of thing. It's worth noticing, right, I specifically picked out that time because Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, that was released in 2014, okay? Um, and it was released in January 17. Tom Clancy, meanwhile, died in 2013, okay? And I think this is the point where, the, where there's any semblance of having to give a shit essentially went completely out the window and it became naked propaganda, because I think, I'm pretty sure, this is when the intelligence services and the propaganda services of the Pentagon started really pumping resources into the Tom Clancy stuff and doing the support for it. I don't think it's as simple as Ubisoft. It's just that the, the Tom Clancy brand, if you will, they gave Ubisoft the, the licensing rights for the games, but the, the larger thing... It's, I think it is receiving. I think the the rights they've got is like um, they can they can just literally do whatever they want as long as it's related to it. So they they basically have they have people writing new like uh, Ubisoft have people mm -hmm. writing new Jack Ryan novels, but they just like as long as they tag it as a division novel or something like that. I'm not sure. Like I'm, I think so, but I think um, I I think there's still novels being produced for. Um, 
that aren't through that. Um, in 2008, the French video game developer uh, Ubisoft purchased the use of Clancy's name for an undisclosed sum. Um, it has been used in conjunction with video games and related products, such as movies and books. You're right. Um, yeah, basically. So yeah, they, they got that from him, but I don't think they're the only ones who have rights to it, essentially. I think they've got the use I mean, of his I mean, if I was Tom Clancy and I was, like, at death's door, I would, I would genuinely, like, sell my rights to six different people without telling them, like, about, you know <laughs> what I mean? Just, and just, like, and then just, like, you know, die happy in the knowledge that I'd caused, like, a load of shit. So would it be, uh, would this be, like, your uh, your nan with the credit card yeah, and the bank? Yeah, pretty much like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, so, like, this is, this is where it kind of goes off the rails, and I think that's when... Like essentially, it it made the jump. It made the transition. It's um. Does anyone? Two thousand eight. Does anyone remember sorry. Jim from the officers? Fucking like uh, YouTube funny news show that he did. Was that the thing he was doing over the over lockdown? Possibly. Yeah, it's like, I remember, that, I remember being that guy, aware of um, it, but not like watching it. There's that guy. Is it, it is it Cody Johnson? Does the some more news on YouTube? Where he does, he, he does like a, a sort of, a sort of like um, a daily show, but not shit kind of thing, where he just like rails about how f- like fucked like everything is. You know what I mean? Like, oh, here's like, right. here, you know, John Oliver sort of thing, but on YouTube, so yeah, it doesn't yeah, have yeah. doesn't have to like temper it for for networks or whatever. <clears> and then, <throat> uh, like, fucking the the. CIA boy from the office decided like he would do basically that, but it's about like how actually life in America is really fun and entertaining, guys. Do you know what I mean? We should watch that Ugh. sometime and do a podcast on it. I feel like it would be oh. really good, based purely on his work on Jack Ryan. <laughs> Strangely, I feel the opposite, Jamie. I just don't know. It's it's funny how that works out. Oh. I will I mean, say though, I will say that as an actor, I don't mind. I think he's actually all right. Like, I, I, admittedly, I've only seen him in The Office and A Quiet Place. Well, you should watch him in fucking like Ubisoft's Tom Clancy's Amazon's The Division's Jack Ryan. Do you know what I mean? Because like, <laughs> yeah, that'll fucking sharply readjust your opinions of the prick. Quite frankly, <laughs> you know what I mean. I mean, I get the feeling he's spawning in for a paycheck a little bit, but at the same time, right? I actually no, I think, think I that think, he gen- TV- I think he genuinely works for the CIA. It's like where I where I am on him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's the, it's the Keir Starmer thing. Like, even if he doesn't know he's employed by intelligence yeah, services to yeah, do the yeah, bidding, yeah. he is. I, I will say the series, the existence of a series, is slightly redeemed for me, if only by the massive, wonderful crossover that exists between people cutting up the office and cutting up Jack Ryan together um, <laughs> and putting out little trailers as a result of it. Um, I saw a very good one, which was D- Special Agent Dwight, and uh, yeah, I mean that for me justified the entirety of the Amazon expenditure. And the fact we didn't get any money from it just makes it all the better, frankly. I haven't seen The Office, so I, I, I don't understand the, the the reference there. Do you know, I'm not surprised by that, Jamie. I don't know how to describe it, but psychically in my soul, I knew you hadn't seen The Office. <laughs> well, I mean, I watched, I watched like 10 minutes of it, because people were like, oh, you've got to see The Office, it's great. So I watched like 10 minutes of the English version of The Office and was like, ah, this, see, is the wor- very, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Beast. And then yes. like, they were like, we've done an American version and, and like my, my knowledge of American versions of British comedies combined with what the British version was like, I, I just thought, no, I, I think I'll pass. That the office is the only example I can think of where that normal formula doesn't work. 
like yeah, it's reversed uh, basically. Yeah, I mean, that would that, that would, would make sense because the original was so fucking bad. Like Ricky, Ricky yeah. Gervais, I mean, was, Ricky, Gervais Ricky Gervais just Gervais, isn't yeah. funny. Do you know what I mean? I don't understand no, like not. where people got this like idea that he's like a comedy genius from. It's the funniest thing he's ever done was that interview with um with what's his name? Oh fucking hell! Was it Gary Shandlin? Drawing Maybe. a blank here, Jim. I don't know the interview. Ricky Gervais had like because he was like oh he's such a big star oh the BBC don't know like don't know what to do with him he's so fucking like cool and he so Ricky Gervais off the back of like The Office and Extras um, it's like right well I'm gonna I'm gonna do stand up because he really wants to be a stand up despite not being fucking funny but then he was yes. also he was also gonna tour like the world interviewing his comedy heroes in their homes yes and I, th- I right. think it was Gary Shandlin and he went he went to Gary Shandlin's house and Gary Shannon just absolutely fucking rinsed them. Like, it was it was so... Like, you can just... It, it's that... Like, you know what I mean? If you if you freeze frame it at any point, you can see his heart breaking. It's like... It's just <laughs> so fucking good, like... Um, and then, like, you know what I mean? They just... Like, that, I just... As far as I know, they just stopped making that after that because it was just like, well... <laughs> How do you how well, do you follow that? Do you know what I mean? Well, I tell you, I tell you how we follow it. We go back to Ricky Gervais's Jack Ryan season two. So, how did season two of Venezuela go, Jamie? Oh well, it's like the they've they've got like some guys like uh, in charge of Venezuela, and he like he came up from the streets and he did the socialism, and so he must be stopped because <laughs> he's secretly like there's like Russian fucking cargo ships mm. delivering like centrifuges or some shit. And they've got like yeah. a, they've got death camps in the jungle and everything. Yep. So they do the whole um, they do the whole clear and present danger thing where they like send in a special forces team. Like Jack Ryan's like, can you send in like a team? And they fucking for some reason they like for some reason they have like a bunch of scenes where like some like Navy SEAL guy is recruiting some like former Marine who's now fixing boats in like Miami or something. And it's like oh, you got it's it's putting together a heist crew, and you got to have that one guy who comes back for yeah, one last job like, despite being out of the game. It's like I'm sure if they if they needed like I, I think he's the, the the fucking like the the boat driver guy, you know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. like he's, they needed a Captain Pugwash for the team or something, and so they want this guy. <laughs> and it's like I'm sure you could. I mean, like I, I don't want to disparage like all the fine boat captains of the world, you know what I mean? Like shout out to those lads that got the sideways boat in the Suez. But um, <laughs> but we're strangely in sync there, Jamie. I knew exactly that's where you were going with that. But like you know, I don't think it, I don't think driving a boat is that difficult that you can't just find like any number of people in the navy who could do it. Do you know what no, I mean? I don't actually, think you need to go to Miami and convince a guy to come back for like one last job or whatever. You know, you say that, Jamie. But actually, as it turns out, strange twist. Um, Apparently, in Egypt, it's all very clear that the only woman captain in that navy is the one who clearly was the one who who wedged the ship sideways, despite being like a fucking 150 nautical miles away at the time. Did you hear about this? No. All right. So, yeah, Egypt, there's this whole thing going around where they're blaming the one, like they made a big thing about there being a one woman captain in the entire sort of, you know, fleet of ships that they're running. Mm -hmm. And um, so when immediately that ship crashed, right, all of Egypt just seems to have decided, oh, it was her. And she's like, I was an entire, I was a hundred, an entire nation of Jim Davidson's. 
basically. <laughs> like, apparently, apparently it's been really bad and, like, she's gotten death threats to embarrassing the nation and all this kind of shit. And she's like, right, first of all, I was 150 nautical miles away on another ship as the first mate. I wasn't even the captain of the other ship at the time. <laughs> For sake. Yeah, they have to get oh. this guy in to do the boat stuff because everyone else put their skill points into bombing weddings. And... Um, <laughs> They get so they they arrive in Venezuela and they sail up a river to the jungle where they think the death camp might be, and they um but they, they well they think it might they think it might be because of like you know they've got a satellite and someone's like fucking drawn like a like a the the golden ratio on the satellite image and that reveals where you know some some Tom Clancy <laughs> shit and um, yeah. so they get there and the special forces guys are like stay with the boat fucking pugwash or whatever his call sign is. And so he's staying with the boat and they all like go off and then they get into a firefight and he gets like presumably startled by the gunfire and goes off to look for them. And so they get back to the boat and he's not there and there's like the whole Venezuelan like fucking army's chasing them. So they just get in the boat and leave, revealing that like they didn't even need to bring him. And so then they have to mount like a rescue operation because like he's lost in the Venezuelan jungle and I shit you not, a small child steals his gun. And like, you know what I mean? So he's just wandering around the jungle, like lost, trying to make friends with like parrots or some shit. You know what I mean? And they have to send like, they have to get like the adult squad to go and fucking collect them. And it's just like, I can really see why they had to convince this one guy to come back. He's a true fucking professional. Do you know what I mean? Lynchpin of the operation, clearly. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound that amiss when we consider what fucking operations into Venezuela have been recently, so... Oh, I mean, yeah, that's that's true. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'd completely forgotten about all of that. It's been a year, Jesus Christ! Oh, it's been a year. Been a year since the old piss on a gradient photo. <laughs> <laughs> what a oh, what a fucking day that was like. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, at the end, I think Jack Ryan like goes into the jungle and rescues the fucking like idiot man child who's like wandering around trying to work out which frogs are safe to lick or whatever you know what i mean at a cost of presumably at a cost of like billions to the taxpayer um and they get him back and then he fucking he personally threatens the venezuelan president or something and then they organize a coup and like democracy triumphs i think at at the end just just cia things yeah Yeah. just cia things you know um the the girl with the dragon tattoos in it all right. Okay. As um, I'm, I I I suspect. Sorry. I suspect, wh- which one? The one from the major motion film with um, Daniel Craig in no. it. No. No, the one from the okay. the one from the original like Swedish version. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. She's in it as um. Oh, that's the other thing. The first series, right? The first series. Jack Ryan's at like a fucking dinner party because he used to be on Wall Street because there's just no there's no end to the likable <laughs> facets of this character. He used to be a Wall Street guy before he joined the CIA. Um, he's invited to a party at some like lake house by his old Wall Street boss, who wants him to give him like stock tips using his CIA like knowledge. Do you know what I mean? Like, are you going to do a coup? Is Raytheon going to go up? All this sort of shit. And um, Jack Ryan refuses. And the guy like fucking calls him a prick. And then Jack Ryan's talking to some lass at the buffet and he tells her like, oh yeah, fucking like, she's going, oh, do you know like fucking big fucking Davy Wall Street or whatever the fuck the guy's called? And uh, he's like, oh, I know him, but he's a fucking helmet. And then she's like, he's me dad. And Jack Ryan's like, oh, I meant like, you know, one of the good helmets, like what protects our brave soldiers from gunfire or some shit. And then 
they they fucking the CIA need him urgently because like Bunk from the Wire wants him to fucking get on a helicopter to like the desert in a foreign country or some shit. You know what I mean? And and personally help him interrogate like terrorists because um, only he understands the PayPal horse shit from the start of the show. And so <laughs> can I- they apparently <laughs> they apparently haven't issued Jack Ryan with a cell phone in like 2016 or whatever. So the only way to retrieve him from this party at a lake house, which is presumably accessible by road, is to send the Coast Guard to pick him up in a fucking helicopter. (laughs) So the Coast Guard just land in the middle of this party and just like storm up and go, we need Jack Ryan urgently. And obviously like the the woman he's talking to gets like really excited at the idea that he's he's like a really big wheel down at the Coast Guard factory. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then, so then, like, that's, she works in hospital because she's, like, the woman that would later, you would later marry in the books or whatever, you know? She's, like, from the, the hospital that gets nuked in, yeah, uh, in the Ben Affleck yeah. one. And then she happens, just happens to, like, be working on a sample of some virus that turns out to be the one the terrorists are using. And so, like, mm, there's a whole course. thing where they're, they're dating and, like, she, and he, she thinks he works, um, like fucking, do you know what I mean? Like uh, coverstory.com or some like fucking, you know what I mean? <laughs> Elaborate ruse that the CIA have established. But then she gets called into a meeting with the CIA to discuss the bio weapon and he's there and like, and then they have like a big falling out. But then they, they patch it all up and, and like, you know, it's like, this, oh yeah, they're, they're together forever because they both like helped fight the, the, the virus thing. And then in season two, she's just absent and no one mentions it. And instead, he hooks, he hooks up with uh, he hooks up with the girl with the dragon tattoo, who I think I I, I was going to describe as like a Swedish special forces woman, but I think she might actually be meant to be German, um, because what, what the, the Venez- was German. The Venezuelans have hired um, that dude who can like take his face off from Game of Thrones. You know the one I mean. You know, fucking Game of Thrones, where he plays plays Nicholas Cage in Game of Thrones, and he like keeps taking his face off to fucking like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, murder yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, 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 you know yeah. who I mean. Yeah, yeah, he's like the the greatest fucking like soul like like secret agent the fucking the the Germans have ever like trained or something, and he's like going around murdering people on behalf of Venezuela. Um, and Jack Ryan has to like fight him at some point. So it's it's nakedly into propaganda. Can I? I actually looked up Jack Ryan character on Wikipedia. Can I read you a little bit of background for this? Because this is just oh, the please. most fucked up. Please like, do. Okay. Okay. Um, Ryan was born in 1950 to an Irish Catholic family in Baltimore, Maryland. So it's his his home city got nuked just to add extra pathos, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll skip forward a bit, right? After graduating from high school, a Roman Catholic Jesuit prep school. Um, Ryan attended Boston College, graduating with a Bachelor of Arts degree in Economics with a strong minor in History. It specifically has to mention that part, strong minor in History, right? Um, and he was a rower, of course. He commissioned as a second lieutenant in the U.S. Marine Corps via Officer Candidate School. While waiting for the Corps to assign him, he passed the Certified Public Accountant exam, Right. <coughs> Um, after officer training at Quantico, <laughs> sorry, he went on to serve. Sorry that I mean I used to, I I fucking <laughs> one of the jobs I lost in the pandemic was invigilating exams for like certified accountants. <laughs> And I'm just loving the idea of any of those people being a fucking super spy. (laughs) This is a brilliant part. Let me finish reading out the the CV a little bit here. Um, Ryan went on to serve briefly as a Marine Infantry Platoon Leader. Um, However, it was cut short at 23 
when um, his helicopter he was on crashed um, during a North Atlantic Treaty Organization exercise over the Greek island of Crete. Um, it injured his back and ended his, uh, you know, they, they repaired his back, they rebuilt him, but not well enough. And so he got medical discharge, essentially. And that's what led him to, pa to quit that and do a stockbroker exam to get a, a, a position with Merrill Lynch in Baltimore. Uh, and that's like his prelude, if you will, yeah. to before he gets poached by the, the, um, the CIA. The helicopter crash features in, in his backstory in season one, but it's like in Iraq or something instead. Because like, yeah. you know, well, it's just, just, oh, we, we fucking crashed it during a training exercise. Isn't as sexy as like we were shot down by jihadis. Yeah, while, while I know, searching right? for WMDs that were definitely there. <laughs> yeah, it's. But uh, I'm just loving the idea of like fuck the idea that like a future Jack Ryan might want might once yeah. have turned up and asked me if, a, if if he could have a pen because he didn't think to bring <laughs> one to a fucking exam. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's uh it's amazing. It's like um you just go through the things that make you go fuck's sake and a Bachelor of Arts in Economics because it's not a real science. Um, and you're like, oh, fuck's sake. And it's like strong minor in history because you have to point that out because there's a real kind of revanchist, oh, well, the historical precedent here tells us yeah, kind of, yeah. you know, bullshit to it. I just love, and then, and he was a, love that he's going he to take, like, take down the Taliban with graphs. Do you know what I mean? Just like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he does all that and yet then goes on to be a second lieutenant in the Marine Corps, right? Okay, sure. Um, and while he's waiting for them to assign him, he takes the certified public accountant exam. Like, well, who the fuck? Well, like, I mean, the, the Marine Corps is the thinking man's branch of the US military. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just absolutely bizarre. Like, who in their right mind, they get a Bachelor of Arts in Economics, they decide they really want to serve their country, so they go to officer candidate training to become a Marine, and then in between being like, yes, congratulations, officer, you're a platoon leader now, and getting assigned, you go, do you know what I'm going to do to fill my time? I'm going to be a certified public accountant. Who does that? Who who on earth does that? Someone who like Tom Clancy feels isn't justifiably like uh, well written enough to catch like fucking terrorists based on PayPal. I guess would be like you know what <laughs> maybe. I mean? And then to then to top it all off, he comes back and works with, from Wall Street for Merrill Lynch. Like yeah, this is the this is a fucking underdog hero oh, yeah. that I feel we hard relate to. Who's gonna like you know he's the inside good like, old down to American boy. Yeah, but he's a maverick and he's clearly got an outsider's perspective because his family's Irish Catholic or something. Yeah. Just amazing stuff. But anyway, they, in the end, they triumph and, like, you know, Venezuelan, like, nuclear socialism is, is vanquished and the people rise up. The people rise up and, like, righteously destroy the palace that the fucking socialist guy lives in. They're, they're, they're storming the palace to rescue a fucking, like, guy, uh, rescue a guy or something and Jack Ryan goes and, like, beats up Mike. I can't remember. I've fucking tuned the fuck out by by the end of two seasons of that i want to say jack ryan goes to personally beat up the president though um <laughs> but i do think i do feel that if you take jason Bourne together with jack ryan and like lay them like overlapping each other side by side you do see a kind of there is like a pattern here to the way these films kind of go and the political messaging that starts to develop in them. And I do feel it reaches its apotheosis in the second season of Jack Ryan. Yeah. Because I think, you know, it's it's naked propaganda. And I guess the, the two, the, the parallels I'd give you is like, essentially, Jason Bourne has strong fascist underpinnings, which I can justify if pressed. Whereas the... 
the Jack Ryan kind of stuff is more about real strong kind of state power, if that makes sense. And so I'd predict what we are waiting to see is we're waiting to see some kind of secret agent bit that is basically the combination of state power plus fascism united together. So the question is, has that already been out? Can you think of like a spy-like film that could fit in that niche where it's got the whole, we need a, a strong central character who uh you know is is, is like a an ubermensch so to speak who's able to cut through all the bureaucracy and all I mean, stuff obvious, and get obviously, it done obviously jimmy bond maybe a little bit yeah i'm also i'm also you're gonna laugh at me for this i have a strong feeling that we're gonna get some really interesting stuff out of the fucking black widow marvel film that's coming along oh have you seen the trailers for that no. shit <clears throat> i've not seen any of that no i have been watching the Fucking Falcon and the Winter Soldier, though, and oh, you're a braver fuck man than I am. Fuck me, man. Yes. Jesus, that is just so fucking bad. Yeah. Anyway, we've got about twenty minutes left. Should we move on from fucking uh, the fucking Jack, the Jack Ryan's, the various Jack Ryan's? You know what I mean? Yes, I. So originally, originally, um, I had planned to include Haywire, uh, which is Steven Soderbergh's. Is that is that his name? Steven Soderbergh, yeah. Right. It's um it's his like realistic take on Jason Bourne. Um okay. I was gonna include that, but Gina Carano can get in the fucking bin. So we'll just um <laughs> yeah. we'll just skip over that and we'll move on to the final like franchise we want to talk about, which is uh Mission Impossible. Yes. Oh fuck oh my god, you've just reminded me that I've watched that fucking Mission Impossible. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> those those what films fucking... those films are variable in quality. Yes. It definitely I, it... Yeah, I, I watched um Mission Impossible Three, which I, I watched specifically because I remember that's one that I fucking hated the first time. And on watching yeah. it again, I was right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, to give everyone yeah. the brief the brief history of Mission Impossible, there's about like there's X seasons of the TV show in the sixties, um, which we're not going to talk no, about because like that was ages ago, and also we haven't done any research. But um, it does have it does have Mister Spock in, and um, <laughs> and one of the pilots from Airplane. <laughs> um, but flash forward to the nineties, and they do the um, the film. Uh, the first one is uh, oh fucking hell, man. 1996 it was released yeah i'm trying to think of the director it's that fucking guy it's brian brian, it's brian de palma yeah. i remember that yeah um it's really good like surprisingly mm-hmm. so for a, a like a hollywood reboot of an old tv series it, it had no right to yeah. be as good as it is but it is thunderously entertaining it has emilio estevez in it for some reason yep um however <laughs> briefly and it's just it's just fucking it's just great i mean obviously it's got the 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 fucking like in as as scenes go, it's imitated to an almost like Matrix like level. The bit where mm-hmm. Tom Cruise abseils down to that guy's computer and he can't like make any noise or touch the floor. Yeah. Yep. Um that just like people just like that entered the fucking like con- public consciousness so fucking like well, it's been imitated like as much as people leaning backwards during a gunfight in slow motion, do you know what I mean? That like, that was in every <laughs> fucking comedy film for about twelve years. Um People just love to do the fucking Tom Cruise dangling on a wire, and Mission Impossible loves to do like Tom Cruise like high high wire stunt stuff to an almost yeah. absurd degree as well. Um, well, also like let's be clear, 
Tom Cruise loves to do higher wire yeah, stunt uh, Tom, stuff. He's I notorious mean, Tom for Cruise, this. Tom Cruise is uh, like a, by all accounts, like a bit of a fucking like weird prick in real life. But I absolutely yes. have to hand to the guy that he knows how to make stunts entertaining. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Mission Impossible, the fucking the two, the two absolute fucking standout moments in the first Mission Impossible for me are when fucking uh, Leon, the professional, is fucking flying his helicopter at the end and it's like attached to the, like Tom Cruise attaches it to the fucking Eurostar. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. going into the tunnel and you, you're expecting a sort of like standard and then the helicopter got pulled into the like side of the tunnel and crashed and instead he flies the helicopter down the channel tunnel. That was just, <laughs> that was just incredible to me. It was like, that's how, you know what I mean? Where you just go, Ah, well, you see, this is what everyone else would do, but instead we're going to do this because, like, fuck you, we're making this film and do what we want. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, he flies a helicopter Mm. down the the channel tunnel. Why not? Do you know what I mean? Seems obvious in retrospect. Um, (laughs) And the bit where fucking Tom Cruise reveals to, um, oh, fucking hell, Angelina Jolie's dad. What you call him? Pass. John Voight. That's the, one. the bit where fucking Tom Cruise is like wearing a rubber mask, so he looks like John Voight, and the the woman like John Voight's like fucking uh, girlfriend who's working with Tom Cruise comes in and reveals like gives herself away as having been a double agent, and then Tom Cruise reveals himself, and John Voight comes in, and like he's asking Tom Cruise when did you figure out my plan, and he says like because um, like earlier on in the film he's got like a Bible that he's using to like to to form coded messages. And mm-hmm. he says, like, oh, I figured it out, like, uh, he's like, I figured it out before I um, before I met you in London, but after you stole the Bible from the Drake Hotel in Chicago, and John Voigt goes, they stamped it, didn't they? Those damn Gideons, which is just, like, an incredible <laughs> fucking, like, do you know what I mean? Just an incredibly bizarre and, like, really good line to have in the middle of, like, a spy thriller, as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> and then Mission, Mission Impossible. Impossible. Sorry, would- go on. Well, before you go on, Mission Impossible, for anyone who's curious, I genuinely think it's worth looking up. It's it's dated, right? It's got some bits in it where you're like, all right, okay. But it's still, I still think it holds up today. I still think it's a pretty damn good spy film all said and done. Do you guys agree yeah. with that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Mission Impossible 2 is not. Yeah. <laughs> um, part of John Woo's like, Hollywood decline. Yep. Um, did he do any... I mean... I suppose Broken Arrow is is all right, and obviously Face Off is a fucking stone cold masterpiece. But a lot of what yep. John Woo did after he came to Hollywood is shite. Like, yeah, it's like I don't know. It, to me, it feels like Mission Impossible Two definitely it, it's the follow on from Face Off, but it's like a joke isn't in the same way as a joke isn't funny the second time it's told. Mm. Um, it feels like the stuff he took he took the things that people liked in Face Off and he decided to play with them more in Mission Impossible 2 and it just doesn't work yeah. it doesn't land I remember because he did go me and me and my mate weren't going to watch that because the trailer looked shit and then another guy another lad we know was like oh no it's great oh, it's, it's re- I watched it it's really good so we sat and watched it one night and it was shite and then we kicked off with like the other lad and he was like oh but what about the bit when he, he on, he's on the bike and he does a fucking endo and hits that guy with a back wheel and we were like oh no you're right yeah it's a fucking cinematic masterpiece mate let's watch it again <laughs> it's a shame because broken arrow was pretty good and face off was indeed a masterpiece and then it's immediately into mission impossible 2 and the drop off there yeah. is astonishing i, I, think I cut, can't even fucking remember the second if film. you cut all the scenes of tom cruise flicking his mullet in slow motion it'd be about eight minutes long that film like yeah seriously <laughs> do you want to know the only bit i remember from mission impossible 2 
it's Tom Cruise like blowing open a door with flames, right? And then the camera cuts around and he's coming walking past the door. There's fire burning in the doorway and there's like a fucking dove flying by uh. and it's in slow motion. <laughs> and they set up all those individual elements just so that John Woo could have his indulgent bit where he frames like fucking, um, you know, Tom Cruise with fire and like a flying dove and shit. It's so stupid. Although I will, so I will give it I will give it points for having Doug Ray Scott in because more things should have <laughs> Doug Ray Scott in. <laughs> um, he's in many ways he's fucking uh, Jared Butler's Wario. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep. Um, do you know what I mean? Doug Ray Scott does a lot less a, a lot less films with hate crimes in them, in my experience. <laughs> um, and then Mission Impossible Three, as David said, is Fuck. I mean I, I I think it's it's all right, but I mean I'm, I I saw it like I straight off the back of Mission Impossible being- Two. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I take this film as being like the start of it becoming the um, Tom Cruise ego vehicle. Like, yeah. that really is where that kicks off to the point where he resurrects in the film. Yeah. Against all yeah. fucking reason. Um, the, the, the entire plot of the film is around the MacGuffin, which you never find yeah, out what it does it or what it's for it's it's fucking bizarre man like it, it is don't make a fucking secret agent film and have a mcguffin and not have it be like it is central peak, to the core of the film it is peak jabrams jabrams abrams isn't it <laughs> yeah like, well no i i genuinely like i raised ronan earlier because i knew we were going to be talking about mission impossible right in ronan the central thing is they've got this mysterious case that they're all fighting over and you never find out what's in the case and that's like a, a, a good kind of part of it's, it um, right it's, fairly fairly recommend it by the way it's just ring rames it's ring rames laundry from uh, from pulp fiction <laughs> well maybe but i mean it's you can like do that and you can play it and you can make that work yeah, I was, if you, if yeah you do that exactly purposely. right but that's just kind of fucking goes also there's a thing here and we need to do things for the thing do not ask about the thing. Though. Yeah, We're not the rabbit's foot. Yeah. Don't, don't they call it the rabbit's foot or something equally in it? Yeah, yeah, it's the rabbit's foot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In, in like, so the, the parallel is like in Ronin, which is a properly good kind of like spy film in my view, um, they're all like, they're after this MacGuffin because they're paid contractors and it's just like, there's a case. You will collect this case. You won't open it. You won't. And they're asking questions about it. Well, what size is it? How heavy is yeah. it? You know, just for transporting it. And the thing is, they, everyone wants to know what the case is. What, what actually is this thing? Why is it so important that people are fighting and murdering each other over it and what's in it? And that's it's set up as like a thing that it seems like it's the mystery. And the, the film does a twist, which I won't spoil, essentially, right? Um, in Mission Impossible 3, it has none of that nuance, yep. right? And it's just, it, it might as well be, okay, we need someone from to fight over a, a MacGuffin. All right, well, we can't call it a MacGuffin. Um, it's got to be something something people would want, like something that's important. Uh, rabbit's foot? Yeah, fucking rabbit's foot, let's go. And that's it. There's no actual, the people don't even act curiously around it to my re- recollection. Yeah. Is that right, guys? Yeah, pretty much. It's very weird. It's very, very, like, half-arsed, essentially. It's basically, we need a MacGuffin to drive a plot, but we're not going to let the mystery of the MacGuffin actually drive the plot. I do um, I do quite like uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in that film, though. Mm, I can I can see it. I would, yeah. I would have I mean, genuinely yeah, loved like, to see him do more, like, more action films. I have got some bad news for you, mate. Yeah, well, that's why I said would have. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, oh dear. Yeah. I mean, fuck, I can't even remember, like... Any other Mission Impossible films past that point, I, I can only remember three severely because I watched it for this. But then, like, 
until the last one that yeah. came out was it like four, Fallout or Four is Fallout. sort of Four is sort of okay, um, but it's just that's needless Ghost Protocol, Ghost right? Protocol, yeah, it's just needlessly convoluted. Like, there's a bit where he's like swinging around the outside of the fucking like really tall building in, in Dubai, mm-hmm. and then like he chases the fucking villain's henchman into a sandstorm, and and right, in okay. the middle of like the car chase like thing they get into a fist fight and he pulls like the guy's face and a bit of it comes off and it's revealed to be uh the actual villain disguised as his own henchman and it's like it's like what why like do you know what i mean it's yeah it's uh it's like completely baffling and and then the fifth one I watched the fifth one and I just I couldn't remember a single thing about it it just fell out of my mind the yeah, second that's, the that's, roll. that's that's Rogue Nation, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and then I watched it was six. The, it was the first Christopher McQuarrie one, yeah. I remember that much. I watched six, not really expecting too much from it. And it's like somehow a fucking, like one of the best action films I've ever seen. And I was like, how is this the same director as five? But maybe I just wasn't paying attention. If I went back and watched five again, and I was like, no, that, that it's, just, no, a, it's just, just a staggering like gulf in quality between the two of them. Do you, yeah. know, do you know my work in theory on that? I think, honestly, he took he sat down and took a long, hard look at, at five and was like, what did I do wrong here? And then actually delivered on it in six, which is incredibly rare I mean, in a director, to be quite honest. Quite possibly, but also I think there's a lot of like stuff in six that seems to be like a callback to like earlier uh, installments in the in the series. Oh, yeah, that would and do so it. Do I think, think he was... I think the, for six, they were just told, like they were like, right, we're, we're doing the sixth one, it's the final one do what you fucking want. And the pair of them, like Macquarie and Tom Cruise just went and pushed the boat out, like just and did all the fucking like insane stunt work they wanted. And then it, it like, it was just a runaway success. I, I I can easily imagine it made like more than twice as much money as any other film since the first one, probably. Let's, uh, let's actually, let's compare. Cause I do have Wikipedia open. So, um, mission impossible fallout, right? was the one that he did yeah. and let's see about his gross um it did 791.1 million which uh is, is a fair chunk of change by comparison rogue nation the one before it actually it did 682.7 million so i don't know how hmm. yeah i don't know how either i'm blown away by that like i would have expected half that amount to be perfectly honest and uh yeah the budgets weren't that different either. Rogue Nation was 150 million. Um, Fallout was 178 million. Yeah, so, but anyway, let's, Fallout. Let's not be surprised by the public at large being uh, wrong true. about things. Fallout. Yeah, Fallout okay, definitely fair. feels like they're wrapping it up though, where it's like you know, um, yeah, they sort of, like uh, draw attention to the fact that like, oh, how many times has this fucking prick like, do you know what I mean, binned off his like job to just go rogue and like fucking. They they call back to like you know there's 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 bike chases because he was on a bike in two he's he's like freehand climbing like he was in two they um you know what I mean they they have the the daughter of uh the like secrets dealer woman from the first one is in it like mm. Max from the first film her daughter's in it um they have like an, they end with an absolutely insane helicopter sequence. Which I'm oh, not going to. I'm not going to spoil. But if you haven't seen the film, you should go and fucking watch the film. Quite frankly, um, yeah. and it's you know his wife turns up again from three. Uh, they just like they just keep sort of like it's like a sort of like a grand sort of victory lap of like here's all the all we've brought back everything from the previous films to say mm. goodbye to them and 
and now they're making two more and I'm yeah. I'm really hoping they they're even half as good as Fallout was because it was it was genuinely great but to get back to the central thesis of this episode Mission Impossible is I think um it's a land of contrasts. Yeah, I mean, quality-wise, quality <laughs> it's all over the shop, but as a character, like fucking um, Ethan Hunt is very sort of, very sort of like, uh, I kind of like, I want to say they very much sort of like kept him in the vein of the TV show, do you know what I mean? Where it's like yeah. he's he operates sort of outside of like, geopolitics it's it's never like oh this like fucking you know what i mean these this country over here has got like like it's never venezuela is going to get nukes from the russians it's always like there's some like yeah, mad, it's, there's it's some mad James lad Bond-esque. yeah yeah there's some mad lad and he's got he's up to fucking bants and we need you to go and like fucking stop him do you know what i mean there's definitely there's a sliding scale i think for for to tie this together there's a sliding scale when it comes to the propaganda of these things between mad lads and isn't the tech cool, yeah. right, on one side. And then on the other, it's like fucking those dastardly Soviets or equivalent are up to it yet again, and only our good boys yeah, can potentially it's the, stand against it's it. It's the, the Russian ambassador pressing the button and the little sign flips around to say Soviet <laughs> Union, yeah. and then they sell nukes to Venezuela. Yeah, that, yeah, and, that's the two ends of the spectrum. And I think like right in the middle of that spectrum, in like, perfect harmony and synthesis of the two, sits Hunt for Red October. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think that's what makes it, it land so well. Essentially, mm, it's just yeah. it's got the best elements of both worlds. Yeah. So, Mission Impossible, like the the films. That's it. That's another thing with with uh, with six is they don't really have much in the way of gadgets that I re- remember. Like they do the they do the mask stuff because you know it's a Mission Impossible and you've got to do the mask stuff. Can I yeah. uh, can I can I come in actually, Jamie? Because I I mentioned gadgets like right at the start of this. I've got a theory, right? Which is that the less gadgets there are in a spy film, the more fash it is. You're right. Mm. Like, but I, I know I it's mean, a total rule of thumb, and I'm sure there's contradictions out know, there. But that's James, been my experience. James Bond is like all fucking gadgets. Do you know what I mean? And and well, he's fash as fuck, like. There's a there's a special case for Bond, which I guess if you want to hear about, you're gonna to have to tune in when we do our future episode uh, in 2024. Yeah, when, when we do our yeah. fucking Bond episode, and you're just desperately trying to like get an, an actual theory about Bond as we're talking about whatever the fuck it is we're gonna be. I'm not gonna spoil it, like, do you know what I mean? Everyone will have to tune. You'll be you'll be talking about the car jumping the fucking river with the yeehaw sheriff in yeah, the back you, of it, and I'll be like, you yeah, wish. but the ur fascist <laughs> narrative. You like, you wish, I, like, do you know what I mean? Every everyone who's like looking forward to our our hot takes on Bond, tune to get really mad at us when we do that like fucking hell (laughs) but yeah um yeah mission impossible i think the mission impossible films the more gadgets they have the the less good the film is like in the you think they always have they always have the fucking masks right because they're like a fixture of mission impossible yeah like you know they someone pulls their face off and it's actually like fucking nick cage underneath um but like the first one gadget wise they only really have the chewing gum don't they yeah, the two halves of a chewing gum you put together They've and get, turn into an explosive. No, 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 no. They've got fuck all gadgets in three, and it's shit. Did they have? I thought they had gadgets. Unless you in count three. an improvised defibrillator as a gadget. Okay. Which I, I, I okay. Don't. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. He licks a wall socket, doesn't he? Like you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, to cure to cure his arrhythmia from the massive cocaine he was doing. Um. Uh right. Yeah, three doesn't. Right, three maybe like maybe not then. 
Um, yeah. But like, like, don't be wrong. I'm, I'm not making statements on quality, but I definitely think there's there's something in that. Four, he's got Less- the stupid. Four, he's got the stupid gloves that stick to the windows when he's climbing the fucking building. Oh yeah. Um. And five, I want to say they've got. Oh, the five's the one. If the, there's actually one good scene in five where they're going and they're breaking into the Kremlin. And they're going down the corridor with the big fucking projector screen that's like projecting the wall behind, like the corridor behind them in 3D. <laughs> so the guy at the desk at the. <laughs> sure. There's a guy, there's one guy right. guarding the corridor. And they're using like a little fucking, like, a little like like radar dish bleepy thing to make it sound like there's a like a water dripping behind them and then when he turns around <laughs> to investigate they like set up this big projector that like for, it's got like an arm on and it tracks his tracks his eyes to make sure the projection lines up with what he should be seeing and they just like every time he looks away they like pick it up and move it a couple of feet down the corridor it's like it's a really it's a really good scene um but i think like there's a lot to be said because it has like there are clear limits to the gadget's technology. Like it has to track mm. the guy's eye. It breaks down when two people, like more than one person, turns up because it can't like it obviously can't project like for all their different eyes. Yeah, um, no. The the best the best use of tech in these things is where they really set the rules early on, so where they can show you the problem when the rules don't line up. Essentially, yeah. You know, go, going back to the first one with the two part, bits of a chewing gum, you mash them both together and they will explode sort of thing and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, in the first um, one, in the first one, they can make a mask that looks like someone, but they can't they can't copy the voice. And then yeah. is it I can't remember if they cop if they can copy the voice in two. Um, they definitely can in three. In three they can, because there's the bit where he's trying to get like the the fuck where he's murked like uh Philip Seymour Hoffman in the fucking toilets, and he's trying to get him to yeah. read that poem so that the computer can like <laughs> duplicate his voice. But I, th- I want to say in mm. two, maybe they're just copying. The- they are copying the voices, in fact, because he pretends to be Doug Ray Scott at the end. And the fucking the yes. villain. I can't and even remember who thing- the main villain is in that. Is so forgettable. The main villain shoots the real shoots the real Doug Ray Scott. I mean, you're right. They copy voices. They have a little patch thing they put on uh, their throat. I remember that bit. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the, 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 with six, like the the villains in six, like one of the villains is basically the CIA, like um, yeah. played by Superman and the Witcher. You know what I mean? Depending yeah. on like which, <laughs> depending on whether you're a, a big big fucking like uh, Zack Snyder fan or not. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, he he genuinely played a bad guy in more stuff because he's great in that film. Like. Yeah, um, he has good chair. With his fucking mustache. His mustache, which is one of the great comedy like things in cinema of all time, where they had to like fucking <laughs> they had to like they wouldn't but the only way the only way that mustache could have been funnier, because it's like, you know, oh, he finished Justice League and then they wanted to do reshoots for uh Joss Whedon's version and they had to get him back and they wouldn't let him shave the mustache because he's got a mustache in Mission Impossible Six. They were like, No, he can't shave the mustache. We are not if if one of these films has to be like fucking has to do some kind of like fucking work to replace his mustache, it's not gonna be us. We hired him with the mustache. Fucking deal with it. And I remember people like being annoyed that like, oh why why won't like Christopher McQuarrie just make him wear a fake mustache? And it's like I would fucking, I would, I would absolutely not want to be like have people watching my film and going, oh, can we spot which scenes are the fake mustache and which ones are the real one? Um, can I, can I be perfectly honest? I, uh, I think Henry Cavill, I think he, 
I think he might have made that decision, to well, be honest, because I, I certainly don't think he's that invested in the DC films, and he's got a he's good reason <laughs> not to be. The only way that, that whole fucking, like, that whole uh, fiasco could have been any funnier is if Mission Impossible 6 had come out and he didn't have a moustache, like if they'd just shaved it off, <laughs> do you know what I mean, after, after they had the fucking badly CGI it out of Justice League, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but um but no it's just for it's just it's just roaringly entertaining um and fucking alec baldwin's in it as well just to bring us full circle mm. back to fucking jack ryan mm. um yeah but yeah it's like it's great it's and um I, I fucking i cannot recommend it enough if you like if you like fucking just absolutely insane action sequences um which are all heightened yeah. by the by the, by the realization that like tom cruise like do you know what i mean like genuinely hurts himself in most of the stunts it's just yeah I, I, it's so weird because like there's there's plenty of films where like i don't, I don't want to be that guy where you go oh it's fucking you always tell it's cgi because you fucking can't always tell or like you know oh you can always tell when like they're really doing the stunts versus using the stuntman or whatever you know no, i'm not i'm not quentin tarantino i'm not going to insist that me like fucking me actors all maim themselves i'm not here's <laughs> the thing right i i will say you can't always tell that it's cgi right yeah However, it not being CGI does seem to give better performances somehow. Is my yeah, take on that's that's mm. probably true. Like, there's there's definitely there's definitely like use cases for it. Like, do you know what I mean? If you're gonna like if you're gonna do something mm-hmm. like blow up a car, just blow up a fucking car. Do you know what I mean? You don't need you don't need to yeah. CGI that. Like, but you know, if yeah. you want like fucking like someone to get cut in half by a laser, maybe don't do that practically. You know what I mean? Like, there's this this case yeah, well, um, and maybe maybe you don't have tom cruise and like 700 million dollars so like maybe you have to like just shoot your fucking like your, your skydiving stunts on a green screen instead of actually like I, uh, in the air i i always come back to um the the plane scene in the dark knight rises right at the start yeah and compare and contrast that to the big like cgi plane scenes from marvel and I firmly believe them doing like real effects does actually add something in that whole stuff. Uh, my but, my um my go to for it is <laughs> fucking octopusy, um because it's a fucking it's that film is just wall to wall dog shit like. But there's a bit at the <laughs> end where James Bond fights a guy on the top of a Cessna as it's flying through the air, and <laughs> you can clearly see both stuntmen are wearing parachutes under their massive jackets, but. At the same time, they actually put two stuntmen on top of a plane. Do you know what I mean? So, like, yes. you've got to at least give the, you're at least seeing something that they put some effort into. I think is the the yeah. core like part of it. You know what I mean? It's like like the fucking jump you mentioned, like the bridge jump in Man with a Golden Gun. Right, and we're stopping here. We're talking James Bond now. It's gone too far. Yeah, aye, that's it. I'm, I'm hitting the abort button. Um, yeah, okay, so I hope you enjoyed that, folks. Um, we will be back at some point. Probably within the next six to nine months, months years, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, to talk about James Bond, etc. Um, but yeah, until then, look forward to the next couple of episodes. We'll hopefully get some guests lined up, which will be um, good and enjoyable guests we haven't had on before. So yeah, look forward to that, and look forward to the ever increasing, um, ever increasing. Look forward to the ever-encroaching Hartlepool by-election and Scottish elections and everything else that we can just go fucking full ham on. So, yeah. Speaking of which, we did say we'd do another Scot- uh, Scottish independence episode and, and talk about Scott Paul 
if uh, if the NIP won Hartlepool and David, I, I hate to warn you, they're in third place. Anyway, yeah, and in, and the, okay, on the geez. subject on the subject of possible future podcast guests, if Doug Ray Scott wants to come on and spend like two hours slating Jared <laughs> Butler, would be happy to have him. <laughs> Uh, if he's um, if anyone as always if you've got anything that you want us to talk about if you've got topics that you think might be good um, just that is at Sanish and at time at an Arkenbury and at Cop Respect or four twenty <laughs> yeah for now yeah for now for this now, week yeah. <laughs> by the time the episode comes out who knows yeah if if any of them are too fucking hard to remember just at, at Praxis Cast that one shouldn't get bad um, and yeah we'll, we'll catch you we'll catch you on the next episode hey. Cheerio. All right. Catch you later. See ya.